0: What's up, gamers? I'm Noah Hertz. And I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. What up? What's up? I love that you always just say what up when we have you here. You're just like, hey, what's up? It's like, yeah, that's good good energy. There's always silence there at that (laughs) part. (laughs) I think that's usually the bit where Tori's like waiting for me to say something like creative or funny. And I almost never think of anything creative or funny. So there's usually just like this gap where we're both kind of, like, looking at each other blankly on Zoom, like, so who's going to say something next? <laughs>
1: yeah, because you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you used to do, like, uh the podcast where blank? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I ran out of ideas, like, 25 episodes in. Like, Yeah, you were like, it, I can only make so many jokes about Fortnite.
0: I know, yeah. It reached a point where I was like, it's the podcast for dirty, sweaty little gamers. And I had said that twice, and I was like, no, nah, we can't do this anymore, dog. We can't do this. Damn. <laughs>
1: You can't have that be just the tag of the show.
0: That'd be pretty funny. It'd be pretty good, honestly. Like, uh, gen, it's for dirty, sweaty Gen Z gamers. Just like, yeah, that'll work. Either way, uh, welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Tori's on Tori's on leave this week. She's got some personal stuff she's got going on right now. So we are, we are here, and we're going to talk about some video game shit. Are you ready? I am. So... I got this first one. I put it at the top here. Handpicked for the two of us. Uh, Gawker, or it's G slash O Media. I don't remember what the O stands for, and I don't care enough to Google it. This is the company that owns shit like Kotaku and Gizmodo and all of the stuff in that realm. They have started rolling out AI-generated content, baby. It's AI time. Fuck games journalists. Fuck other journalists. It's AI time, baby. So... I've included this in our show notes for our end, and I will include this in for the show notes on the other end. But I would recommend mm-hmm. that you don't click on it, and instead just like search for it on Twitter, because like, okay, a lot of the people who work at Kotaku and are a part of like the Geo Union are saying like, "Hey, retweet our angry posts about this," but like, don't give them clicks. So like, mm. I admittedly clicked on it, but like, Bam. I would, I know I'm a scab, but um, I would, I would urge others to not do. So. Earlier this week, uh, they the the Geo Media Sphere rolled out its first piece of AI generated content with an article on Gizmodo called A Chronological List of Star Wars movies and T V shows. And wouldn't you believe it? It's literally wrong. It places two of the cartoons that take place in between movies after the chronological series of movies. So it goes like Star Wars Episode mm. Nine, Star Wars Clone Wars. And it's like, well, they fucked that one up. <laughs> um, needless to say, the Union was uh, pretty scathing about this. So they, they issued, like, a pretty strong statement about this, like... Uh, just one little snippet here like our newsrooms have spent decades building trust with audiences introducing computer-generated garbage undermines our ability to do our jobs erodes trust in us journalists damages our brands and threatens our jobs and like yeah that's uh that's pretty much it but i imagine that this is probably going to keep on coming especially in like the games media sphere because a lot of games media is that kind of like thankless like uh i don't know i'm sure you've seen a lot of it with zelda like the here's where to find xyz in zelda Mm -hmm. and like i'm not saying that that's stuff that could be easily ai generated but like i can i can see the person holding the purse strings making the calculations that like they would value being able to get that stuff out faster over getting it out more accurate and by a human being um how are we feeling about this i imagine bad (laughs)
1: if only we had ai editors and ai fact checkers right we just have ai journalists
0: i know right it's like of all the things like i mean granted like uh you know that like that grammarly shit you ever get like youtube Mm -hmm. ads for that like i know people who use grammarly and like i get it but like sometimes grammarly like i don't know i I don't know how you feel about this but like yeah i love grammarly you love grammarly i'm somebody who's of the mind that's like there are rules when it comes to writing and a lot of that stuff is important but like A lot of those rules also exist like to be broken once you reach Mm -hmm. a certain point. So it's like, don't tell me to stop making my contractions contractions. I want that contraction to be a contraction, you know, or like stop telling me to use a certain kind of punctuation there. Maybe I'm breaking that into two short sentences for a reason.
1: Yeah. Like all my writing at work is to be read on the radio. Yeah. And so Grammarly doesn't always love that stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm just like, piss off. I, I hit that dismiss button but when i'm like doing schoolwork i love grammarly cuz it's like fix my typos uh correct my misspellings add add the correct punctuation for schoolwork grammarly was was gas
0: yeah i don't know um i guess everyone saw this coming you know like there were so many layoffs that were happening recently i mean like buzzfeed was probably the biggest one where they laid off all their editorial team and they were like hey guys we're pivoting to ai um i really wonder what the long game is for this you know like i don't know what burns out first like the efforts of people opposed to this or the interest in big companies to like put out stuff that is potentially riddled with like errors so i really don't know what the long game is but like in the short term It definitely sucks, especially considering, like, my understanding based on what I've seen on social media is that, like, editorial teams were not informed of this happening before, like, a day ahead of it or something.
1: Yeah, to me, I think where this goes is there will always be people like you and people like me who value, like, uh, facts and correct information and, Mm -hmm. like, real-life human beings delivering us (laughs) things like (laughs) <laughs> our news and their their thoughts about the things going on in the world mm-hmm. i think it's just that stuff's just going to become increasingly harder to find yeah. and increasingly more expensive and so i yeah. think stuff like uh medium pages and sub stacks are just gonna become like more legitimate places of yeah. gathering news and information which is shitty but like our world is Commodified as fuck. So, like, why yeah. wouldn't our news be more commodified? I like we, you and I have talked a million times about all the issues with like all these newspapers that have these websites that suck and are riddled with ads, and you have to pay if you want to read the local news because the paper yeah. would literally die if people aren't paying for that stuff. And so, it's like, we're just going to see more people be like, actually, I'm going to put as much of that money in my own pocket instead yeah. of working for a company and them getting to take some.
0: It sucks, but I guess the inverse of it is is that as a consumer, I guess, it is nice to know when I'm supporting a human being and when I'm supporting a media company that is just like waiting for the opportunity to lay people off. You know? Yeah. It's like there there definitely is a difference between giving five dollars to someone's Substack where they're gonna get all of that minus the small cut that Substack takes. Versus Mm -hmm. giving $5 to, like, Vice or BuzzFeed or Kotaku or one of these companies where, like, the chances of that ever trickling down to the editorial team is basically non-existent. So, Mm -hmm. I I agree with you that it sucks, especially since that's the kind of stuff that only, at least for the time being, is only really accessible to people who have a base level of understanding of, like, how to find that stuff. Whereas, Mm -hmm. like people who are less aware of how to find that stuff are just going to get bombarded with more and more disinformation and more and more, like, just AI-generated garbage. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it really does make me wonder, like, if that's the direction we're going in. And, like, I can totally see it happening for games news, especially since, like, games journalism is, like, a very personality-driven place. And that's because game comp games uh, outlets, like, made it that way for so many years. So, like, I can I can very much see it trending in that direction. Got another thing here. Uh, fake E3 is pretty much winding down now. We, we're out of June. We're done with the just oodles and oodles of game announcements for the most part. But this past week from when we're recording Annapurna Interactive, the kind of indie publisher, put out a little summer showcase about some of the games that they are releasing soon. And so i pulling this info from an article on Inverse by Willow Rowe. This is kind of going over some of the stuff that they announced during this presentation. I did not watch this presentation, but I actually saw some of the trailers elsewhere. Um, there's some cool-looking stuff in here. Did you look through this article that I linked in the Google Doc? I did. Um, a couple of hot ones that stuck out to me. The new game from Kida Takahashi, the guy who made Katamari Damashi. This is called Tua T most of these games, the common theme across everything that I saw in this article and everything I've seen from the Annapurna show is that, like, gameplay is a little limited. Like, some of the games, you gotta look at gameplay, and some of them are more just, like, vibes, where it's, like, Mm -hmm. you get a brief show that shows you the vibes. I have no idea what To a T plays like, but I know that you play as a little boy who is, like, stuck in a perpetual T pose, and it's made by the guy who made Katamari and Nobi Nobi Boy, so, like, I will probably play this, but, um, a couple other things in there too, like there was a, there's a Blade Runner game that's coming out from the What Remains of Edith Finch people, like that looks cool, I don't know, anything yeah. else you saw in this article that like stuck out to you?
1: Stray is coming to Xbox, Yeah, which is exciting cool. for me, like Tori played that and liked it, I think, mm-hmm. what did she say about that, she thought it was short, but she liked it? Yeah,
0: I think she said it was short and she liked it, and I think, uh, I remember at the time the two of us talked about a review I had read that talked about how like, um, people were one reviewer i read i don't remember who it was kind of complained that you don't feel enough like a cat in that game
2: they Mm -hmm. were like
0: it kind of just feels like any other 3d platformer except you have like a meow button and they were like they really could have been a little more creative with the traversal and some of that stuff but Mm -hmm. by and large i heard positive stuff about that because like at the very least i hear it's very cute
1: yeah i mean this means i don't have to buy a ps5 right yeah. Since Jerry is coming to Xbox.
0: <laughs> as long as you don't want to play like Final Fantasy 16 or anything, then yeah, I think you're pretty sad. <laughs> um, I also like the look of this game, Ghost Bike. Another one that like beyond bicycling, I couldn't really tell you much about what it's about, but it's got an art style that reminds me of uh, Sable, the Xbox one that uh, Japanese Breakfast did the music for. That's that very like uh, blocky, heavily shaded effect on the lighting. Like looks very cool. The inverse write-up says, Ghost Spike will give players the race of their afterlife. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. I fuck with it. <laughs> I don't know. I like when the indie companies do these little, like, quote-unquote showcases or, like, Nintendo Direct-style things. Like, I know Devolver Digital usually does one, too, and they did one for this past year. Like, they tend not to get as much coverage as, like, the big flashy Xbox shows. And, like, I know we're definitely guilty of that as well. But, like, <laughs> it's always cool when... I don't know. They have the amount of stuff behind them. Because I know Annapurna is like an indie publisher. But they're kind of like... I've heard them compared to like A24. Where it's like they're independent. But they've got like so much big shit under their belts at this point. That it's like Mm -hmm. they've got a lot of money behind them.
1: I can uh, do the next one. Go for it. The Overwatch anime. (laughs) Yeah. Episode (laughs) 1. is live Um, i did
0: not know about this until i opened up this google doc and saw that you put this on here i didn't know that
1: it was a thing either um it's like on youtube i guess i think it's less than six minutes long um it went live like six hours ago i i didn't watch it like uh i don't care enough about overwatch lore to Mm -hmm. watch the the anime but um i guess it's like documentary style about like the uh beginnings of overwatch some uh early early time stuff yeah but you're between the two of us you're the overwatch head
0: i am so, the overwatch head but i have not touched overwatch 2 in ages so hmm. i dropped that shit like pretty hard a little while ago and just like never got back to it um is the I, anime gonna
1: bring you back to the game
0: i do not think the anime is gonna bring you back to the game i will say like i know there are people who are really interested in the overwatch lore I never really gave too much of a shit about the lore. Like, I always thought... Like, the thing to me that was interesting about Overwatch was, like, the character designs and how flashy they were. But, Mm -hmm. like, one, nowadays that is, like, no longer as big of a deal as it was when Overwatch did it. And two, like, I just don't really give that much of a shit. I don't know. I I do think, even if nobody watches this, though, the amount of porn that's going to get made of the characters is going to be, like truly unimaginable like just truly insane you know i don't know if you ever saw that tweet but like i think about it a lot where uh somebody made the comment that was like people wanting to make 3d porn of the overwatch characters like literally pushed 3d modeling through blender and through like um the source filmmaker like forward like that Literally pushed the, that technology forward. It's <laughs> Overwatch Four does crazy thing to people's brains.
1: <laughs> but is it is it surprising to you that porn would be driving innovation? Not a no, not even need, a little bit. People need porn, dude.
0: We're on the internet, yeah. We're not exactly. even a little bit. I uh, I did look it up earlier too because I was trying to find that tweet. And if you, I, I was trying to be really careful about the words that I searched. But I, I ended up on the Wikipedia page for Overwatch and Pornography, which apparently has its own dedicated Wikipedia page. And buried down here on this page, it says, in January 2017, Pornhub announced that Overwatch was the 11th most searched term on their website in the previous year.
1: On <laughs> January 6, 2021, <laughs> Pornhub announced...
3: <laughs>
0: i just that's incredible that's really really incredible yeah
1: 11 is insane
0: yeah that really is like insane. It's,
1: it's beaten out some stuff that you would be like no way
0: it says it beat out threesome that's crazy
1: yeah <laughs>
0: that's insane that is insane um yeah i don't know i don't really give a shit about this uh overwatch heads out there congratulations i'm glad you guys got this one but uh i don't know i can't really bring myself to give too much of a shit about it
1: yeah, I would love to like uh, look into the mind of the people who are like clicking on this at minute one.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Like the the real grinders.
0: Oh fuck yeah! Do you think uh, Kiriko is gonna be in it? And it's like, man, I don't know. I just I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I love Tracer. I love uh, who are some other Overwatch characters. Love Genji.
1: Uh, the gorilla.
0: Yeah, Winston.
3: Yeah, yep. Winton.
0: Winton, yeah, he's great. Can I hit you with uh, something else that's a little less, a little less uh, I, I don't know, maybe we'll give a little bit more of a shit about this. So this has been rumored for a long time and it sounds like leaks as far as rating companies go are kind of pointing to this like actually being real despite it previously being proven, quote-unquote, fake. Uh, sounds like a Red Dead Redemption remaster is being worked on by Rockstar right now i am not huge on red dead where are you at is this something you're interested in
1: red dead is so so cool Mm -hmm. um and i love it i think it's like beautiful but also cool the storytelling is awesome i think like taking gta and moving it back in time was like a crazy cool idea and concept i think it's executed awesome um they've when those games come out, they're always like some of the most beautiful games that we have. Yeah. Um, and so like I played the first one on 360. The second one came out and I bought it and I didn't really ever play a lot of the story mode when I played a lot of the online um, and I thought it was a really good time. Um, When I got my Series S, this was actually one of the first games that I checked, like does this exist in mm. next gen? Because I thought that it would be i i know that um like i've seen youtube videos where people are testing the capabilities of graphics on the next gen consoles by using red dead 2 really like which is a last gen game which i think is insane but i think that just shows like uh how how like forward those games were back then in terms of the capabilities and the like the graphics and just like the insane level of stuff that they were putting out so I like I'll probably pick this up I think yeah um, I'll, I won't spend $70 on it but at some point like this will be in my library yeah
0: I um, it's one of those things where it's like I don't know I think I never really approach Red Dead 1 like on its own merit I think because I never really I never really owned any of the GTA games growing up my, like that was for some reason like kind of a hard line that my parents drew plus like I didn't I had a PS2, so I don't really understand. I could have owned them, but I don't know. I just, like, never really had them growing up, so when I played them at friends' houses, I kind of associated them as the games where you just, like, went and fucked around and, like, just kind of hit people with your car and just, like, did dumb shit. So I picked up a copy of Red Dead, like, way later on, and I messed with it a little bit, but I think I mainly just was, at the time, kind of trying to, like, fuck around in it, whereas, like, that is a game that, like sure there's plenty of fucking around you can do in it there's the whole system of like being an outlaw and being hunted down and that kind of thing but like i think the thing that people go to that game for is the story and that's like something that i never really met on its own ground so like i would definitely be interested in checking that out especially since like i saw some speculation that was like if they're remastering it are they going to remaster red dead redemption to play more like redemption 2 which is interesting Mm -hmm. because i know like For all the gripes I saw people have about, like, how overly realistic and slow some of the aspects of Red Dead 2 are, like, I know people really, really liked that game. So, Mm -hmm. I think this is neat. I mean, I don't know. I I kind of flip-flop, and we've talked about this before, on, like, remasters, remakes, and their place in things, but, like, I think if done well, something like that could... Be interesting. Plus, like, I know Rockstar is a ways off still on GTA 6, and that's something that people are really looking forward to.
1: Yeah, I mean, either we were going to get um, someone coming out being like, we're going to remaster Red Dead Redemption for the next-gen consoles, or it was just going to be in the next Nintendo Direct. Yeah. yeah. So, uh...
3: <laughs>
0: and I know they ported, like, a couple of the PS2 GTA games to Switch, and they're yeah. supposed to run, like, dog shit which is insane to me it's insane to me it's like i don't understand how some things run so well on the switch and some things that are just like upscaled ps2 games just like run so bad yeah games like that
1: like the witcher for example right you can get on switch and it's like wow that's so cool that i could play that handheld Mm -hmm. but i would rather just have a actual fun gaming experience and play it on my xbox yeah
0: there's some things that, yeah, I'm like, oh my god, the ability to, like, play this laying down on my couch sounds really incredible. Like, uh, the Metal Gear Solid collection coming out for the mm-hmm. Switch later this year. Like, I already own quite a few of those games, but the prospect of being able to, like, lay on the couch and switch... Honestly, like, this is, gonna sound silly, but I really get a lot of, uh mileage out of the switch ability of the switch like Mm -hmm. starting on handheld and going like actually i want to play on the tv and just like seamlessly switching it over to the tv like that is such a cool feature especially since like for a long time i played mostly handheld because i was like living with roommates or i was living somewhere where i like didn't have tv access so like yeah i really really love that ability of it but i agree some of these things it's like if you have access to a better higher powered console you should probably just go for it on the better, higher-powered console.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the thing with, like, the, the Batman Arkham Trilogy coming out on Switch. is like, it would be so fucking cool to play the Arkham Trilogy on Switch if it ran well, and yeah. I just don't think that it will, and so I'll never get it. It'll just make me want to buy it on my Xbox. You That's know?
0: the thing, yeah. A lot of these games, you kind of pay a tax to play it on the newer consoles, and, yeah. like you could buy it on Switch when the Arkham Trilogy comes out, sure, or you could go on eBay and pick all three of them up for $10 because PS3 games are currently dirt cheap. So it's yeah. like there's kind of that give and take and some, some of these things like this Red Dead remaster too, like this is going to have to really prove itself considering you can pick up a disc copy of Red Dead Redemption for the PS3 for like $5. So like, it's yeah, going to have I, to really impress. Like I bought the
1: Xbox 360 version of Red Dead on my xbox series on the xbox series s store for like Mm -hmm. 10 bucks and i played it and it runs fine you know yeah
0: yeah microsoft is interesting considering like the fact that they're trying to be better it seems about accessibility to stuff from their last couple of consoles but the
1: xbox store is smashing the playstation store it's insane
0: it really is and but along with that like these remakes and these remasters and these enhanced ports and all this stuff is like still coming out on xbox too so it's kind of it seems like it's kind of putting a lot of players in this weird position where it's like do i pay ten dollars for the old version or thirty dollars for the slightly nicer version and that kind of shit yeah. which is like really kind of idiotic but <laughs> before we move into what we've been playing we received a submission from a band so we're gonna have a little bit of a music interlude games talk so we'll be back in just a minute with what we've been playing
2: Number one. Hey, press start. Uh, this is Dan from Honey Thunder. Uh, we're a three-piece indie rock band based in Philadelphia, PA, um, where a lot of our like music influences include like Arctic Monkeys, Slater Kenny, uh, Cranberries, uh, Screaming Females, stuff like that that sort of dips into hard rock, dips into classic sort of garage rock. Uh, I think we have a good balance of like heavy stuff, softer stuff, things like that. Yeah, I I usually write most of the music. So a lot of my musical, the way I try to like structure songs um, really follows, I think, the flow of boss fights um, and stuff like that. Like I'm really into uh, Hades or Hollow Knight or Cuphead, like that kind of thing where there's like the different phases of the boss fights and then like how the songs kind of reflect that. Um, I think especially for the song we're about to play, Ghouls, um it's definitely our heaviest song that one was very influenced by like the cowboy sort of vibes of uh red dead redemption like there's the twangy sort of ringed out chords um uh, this sort of uh there's like one note uh ring out ones that kind of you know mimic like galloping through the the plains or whatever it's also lyrically got a lot of uh this like unbridled sort of anger against uh, oppressive systems or like just this this sort of last ditch uh, rage kind of thing going on, which I think really reflects the specifically like the final boss fight in uh, Hades (spoilers), where you fight against you know the titular Hades. Um, I think specifically uh, a lot of Darren Korb stuff really in- influenced this, so like Hades and Pyre and other super giant games. Um, you notice it the most at the end of the second chorus, uh, where there's that sort of guitar, bass, and drums just do like this very dirty, heavy sort of drop that kind of breaks up the the more flowing parts of it. Um, in a way that I personally really love, especially when we play it live. Um, I think specifically the song is really influenced by uh, Thrash Pack. From that's uh, the song from uh, Pyre, which I think is where you basically are playing like you know fantasy basketball against a pack of wolves. So I really like that energy bringing that to songs, uh, and it's it's cool. I usually write the music, and then Cat, our singer and bassist writes the words and we don't we don't like usually the you know i write the music and then she does the words and it's sort of a separate thing um and i think it's really cool how the tone of the music influences the tone of the lyrics and how that kind of meshes together so even though kat doesn't really play all that many games uh it's sort of still reflecting a lot of those uh kind of core video game influences um so yeah i hope you guys enjoy it and uh thank you for having me
0: All right, you good? You want to talk about Fortnite? I do. Thank you to the band Honey Thunder for the track Ghouls. You can listen to more of their stuff at honeythunder.rocks or at honeythunderphl on Twitter and Instagram. And I'll put all that stuff in the bio and shout it out again at the end. Nathaniel, what have you been playing?
1: Fortnite.
0: Fortnite? <laughs> um,
1: yeah. yeah. I don't know how much Fortnite you've been playing, but I think. Last time we played Fortnite, not a lot has changed since mm-hmm.
0: then. I've played a little, little if, bit since then, but not much because I, I'm kind of with you. I am not loving this current season. Yeah. I don't think
1: the last time we played together, they had like the exploding rifle. Yeah. Um, so th- I like that gun and I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. But the movement just sucks in the game right now. Like the only yep. movement that we have is the shockwave grenades, which I've never been a big fan of. Um, but we just had, like, three different kinds of ways to swing all in the game at the same time. And yeah. then we just pulled all three of them. And it's like, instead, you get these gauntlets that turn you invisible and you can't shoot when you're invisible. And when you change to your gun out of it, it, like, takes two seconds. And so you just get lit up. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I really want to complete the Battle Pass because I want the Optimus Prime skin because I think <laughs> it looks so cool.
0: <laughs> it does look um,
1: cool. But that's the only reason I'm playing because, I like, I don't know. It's fine. It's it's whatever. I think Fortnite is like super mid right now. Like in our in yours and my little Fortnite resurgence that we've had over the mm-hmm. past, I don't know, year plus. Yeah. I think like this is the time when I've been least interested in yeah. the map and how the game is playing.
0: Yeah, this is probably like the dark night of the soul right now for my current Fortnite journey. Like it's all right. Like it, like you said, like the movement options really make or break this. Like but right now, I, I don't really care for the vehicles that are available. It's, like, mm-hmm. the cyberpunk cars that drive too fast, and I just, like, hit shit. And then it's, like, the velociraptors that you find in the forest area that kind of control the exact same way as, like, the boars or the wolves did in the previous one, except they jump a little higher. And it's, like, man, if they're dinosaurs, like, why didn't you do something a little cooler with the fact that they're dinosaurs? Like, yeah. I, I don't know, but I'm I'm with you. It's, like especially considering like they've got transformers like i don't know why they didn't try to do something a little more interesting in terms of vehicles but yeah yeah, it's kind of mid right now i agree i know that that probably means that there's like interesting stuff on the horizon like but i don't know i i'm kind of like trying to think of what big budget movies are coming out soon that could possibly be attached to fortnite and like I imagine they're probably not doing anything with, like, Oppenheimer or Barbie, you know? So Barbie's coming. Barbie. You think there's going to be Barbie stuff in Fortnite? Why wouldn't there be? I don't know. I guess there could be. I just don't know what they do, other than, like, Barbie costumes. Well, Barbie costumes and maybe, like, Dream House on the map or something. A uh, Barbie skin in Fortnite would go so hard. That would go pretty hard. Yeah, you're right.
1: You're right. If they haven't started, if it's not in the works, make it. Make it in the works. Give me... Margot Robbie, give me Ryan Gosling. Let me have <laughs> let me have the Issa Rae President Barbie skin in Fortnite. Please, I want to play as Issa Ray in Fortnite.
0: My favorite genre of Fortnite skin is um the one where it's just a person, you know, where it's like Zendaya or it's Issa Ray or LeBron James.
1: I have Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack in Fortnite. <laughs>
0: It's really funny. Oh, I have a I have a Fortnite exciting thing to shout out. They added a new they added two new K-pop emotes. Did you know this? I I meant to text you. So uh they added a new BTS one. So it's from the BTS track run. So it's like it's that one where it's like I don't speak Korean and I'm not gonna pretend, but it, it kinda sounds like that. And it's like so you have your character doing the dance from the music video, but they also added a bit from size that's that. Which, you know, I had just a little bit of uh, money left in my Fortnite wallet from, like, V-Bucks I had accrued from doing the Battle Pass. So, you know, I had to get that Psy slash Suga from BTS collaboration emote. So, I'm, like, building building my wheel now to be mostly K-pop emotes, and it's pretty solid. I'm feeling Mm. pretty good about that. (laughs)
1: I actually have a news story that flew under my radar, but I saw about it on TikTok, and so I just pulled up an article. Um, this happened in the middle of last month. Mm-hmm. But Fortnite um and Epic Games disabled and banned 26 emote sprays and emoticons. Whoa, um, really? From competitive. And there's like a a theme of them. If you uh, you can oh, probably figure no. out why they banned them once oh, I start telling you what no, they are. Oh,
0: I'm worried. But it's like
1: it's like the dance monkey emote, the banana whatever the go ape um, oh, it's just like people were being racist oh people my were, god yeah there was oh. i guess there was like a trend of killing people and then p- putting like the banana spray paint and doing a a monkey emote and so i guess like good on epic for removing that stuff but like come on that we can't have like bananas in Fortnite yeah, or monkeys man. because like people are racist Fuckin coming from like kids. a big a big monkey fan like me <laughs> coming from someone who has the the go ape emote actually um this is sad this is sad news
0: have you seen the tiktok where it's that guy uh, is it nick nick a30 nick a20
1: i think it's nick a30
0: nick a30 the one where maybe nick
1: a i don't know
0: he's like the the tiktok the Fortnite like streamer who is always trying to like direct the people so he wants them to like stand in specific places and shit and if they try to like randomly kill him or move he's like ban them mods ban them but um I saw a TikTok where he went and like streamed Call of Duty for a few minutes, and he's like, have you seen this? He's like in a Call of Duty lobby, and he says to the other players in the lobby, he goes, are you guys family friendly? (laughs) And one of the other guys in the lobby goes, what the fuck is family friendly?
1: No, and one of the guys goes, yeah, I'm family friendly. I love fucking kids.
2: (laughs) It's so fucking incredible. Like, what the fuck did he expect? It's so funny.
1: I saw this one TikTok, and so um, it's like him and the the fucking little kids, whatever, do some shit he doesn't like, mm-hmm. and then it's like AI of his voice, and it says, <laughs> it says, mods, ban this kid and blow up his house, <laughs> and then it just like cuts to a video of a guy playing Fortnite, and you can see the picture of him in the corner, and then mm-hmm. it, it just, like like he's streaming, and then it just explodes in the picture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was like there was one day last week where my TikTok for you page just became like exclusively clips of this guy on Twitch and then people making yes. fun of this guy. And I was like, guys, what the yes. fuck happened?
1: You think you're the king? I'm the king. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck. That's so funny. Um, I, I don't know how to search for that if you've never seen any of
1: these, but... It's Nick E or A, E, H. So it's Nick mm-hmm. E, H, the number 30. Search there him is. up yeah. on TikTok. Um, don't sub to his stuff or anything. Yeah, don't give him any money. I saw a video of him saying the N-word, and so it's like, screw that guy.
0: Yeah, fuck that guy. But uh, yeah.
1: Watch the videos of people making fun of him, because those are funny.
0: Those are pretty funny, yeah. Um, what else you got?
1: So I'm I'm also playing a little to the left. Mm. I don't know if you've heard this heard of this game.
0: I remember seeing this one during a presentation
1: last year or something. Yeah, I don't know who makes it. I'm looking. It's Maybe kind of like uh, unpacking adjacent, right? It is. It's a lot like unpacking. It's just like, I guess I'd say like smaller scale, like stuff like drawers and mm-hmm. rearranging books on the shelves and stuff like that. Um, I think it's super pretty. Um I like the colors are also a little more toned down than unpacking like mm-hmm. less bright, more muted. Um I think it's really pretty. I think it's really cool. Uh I got it cuz I thought my girlfriend Angie would like it and then she was playing and then I was playing. The only thing is like it's a lot of Joy-Con moving mm. and I've been playing it in handheld when I played and it just like hurts my thumbs to have to yeah. move the Joy-Cons a lot. Um, but I i got I don't know if you've heard of these, but I pre-ordered a Nitro deck.
0: Did, mm-hmm. Have you seen
1: those? I haven't seen them They're made by this new company that's called Cracked. It's C R K D. Okay. And the Nitro deck is kind of like a dock looking thing. You like slide your switch oh, into it I and it replaces it. Yeah. your Joy-Cons. And it's like uh ergonomic and you can get them in cool colors. And so I bought yeah. like the one that looks like the old purple gamecube controller oh that's cool um and i ordered it i ordered like the expensive one because i wanted it to come with a case that would fit because like when i bought my gosh my hori split pad pro yeah um i was like damn this doesn't fit inside of a case anymore and i didn't want to buy a case because like i liked that i liked those but i didn't love them yeah um but i i've like i saw this come up on google and then i watched a couple videos. And I was like, no, I think this looks super cool. And so I went ahead and ordered one. Um it's not supposed to get here until like September, so we'll see what happens. But I'm excited for it and I want my uh handheld gaming to be a little more comfortable. So hopefully it's cool. Yeah.
0: I like that it really does look like a Steam Deck. Like it makes your Switch it shaped yeah. like a Steam Deck, which is kind yeah. of funny. It does. The uh, Man, you oh. weren't kidding about the GameCube one, too. I love that it's not only GameCube purple, but, like, it makes the right Joy-Con yellow. And yeah. the, like, the B button and the A button are red and green. Like, that's really mm-hmm.
1: cute. Did you look at the... They have an SNES one, too.
3: Oh, I'm seeing like, that the, just now. the
1: gray and purple. That's really cool looking. Yeah. yeah. The stuff is really cool looking. So huh. I, I would say, like, if, if that's an issue, you have also, um, you or listeners, like, playing and not loving your Joy-Cons, and you've been like looking for this ergonomic stuff like I have, um, I think this looks really cool. And so um, I'll have to come on after it comes in the mail. Yeah, you'll have
0: to let us know how this is.
1: And review it for the listeners.
0: I'm excited to hear. That sounds cool. And so other than that,
1: I saw GTA Five is on the Game Pass. And so that kind of makes me want to play that. (laughs) Um, Maybe online, maybe the story mode i think i've played that story mode all the way through like two times um like on my 360 when i first got the game and then on my ps4 Mm -hmm. when i got it because that's a game that's literally been genned up twice everyone knows everyone talks shit about it release the new game but like it's still a good game it's an awesome game i think um it plays cool i think it'll like i remember people thought it looked really good on the next gen i -hmm. think and so we'll see um and then, other than that, like not playing a whole lot of video games these days. Yeah. Mainly just finishing up my masters, defending my capstone project on Tuesday, which is so lit, and then Ooh. graduating next month. That's so awesome. Um, but I've been watching The Righteous Gemstones. Ooh, is that on good? Max? Which is like an HBO show. It's mm-hmm. a, it's like a mega church family.
3: Oh. Um,
1: dark comedy. Um, and so it's like John Goodman plays the main dad Mm -hmm. and he's so good. It's a Danny McBride's show. Like he, he wrote it or a lot of it and he created it and he is like the star of it. Um, and then he's directed some episodes too. It's like, it's really, really funny Hmm. and it's really well done. And it's one of those things where like whenever you watch an hbo show you can tell that they've just like absolutely pumped money into it oh yeah um like i don't don't know if you watched any succession but it was just like the locations they're shooting at and the cars that they're in and the Mm. watches they're wearing and so succession was kind of like an old money new money thing and like all these beautiful places and expensive shit that like not isn't always made to look expensive because it's supposed to be like this is how the the ultra rich really are um but this show is like, this is a mega church family, right? Yeah. And so like all the cars in it are white, you know, and <laughs> they just wear like all this jewelry and they have like the veneers and it's just like, oh it's, it's crazy and it's really well done. Huh. Um, I think it's, I think it's hilarious. I actually just finished season one today. Mm-hmm. I think season three is currently coming out. And so I'd recommend it. I think it's <laughs> hilarious.
0: Did you ever watch the bear?
1: I did not. Angie's did watching not. it. I've okay. never watched any of we, it. We
0: we've been talking about putting that on our watch radar because um I know the second season just came out of that and it's actually getting really good reviews and it's been very funny because a lot of the reviews I've seen a bit have been couched in this like we didn't think it was possible but the second season of this show is good like it seems like when a when a show like that one of those like prestige really well shot either dramas or even the comedies gets a second season or even a third season like there's like this bated breath of like is this gonna be the bad one you know and like Mm -hmm. when it actually ends up being good there's like a deep sigh and like oh thank goodness this thing is not tainted by a bad season now so i'm kind of tempted to check that one out i like the I like the chef guy from, uh, from Shameless, who I see in all the TikToks from Shameless, and he's also a chef. I like Ayo and like It looks good. In all the videos, I see the food looks incredible. Like I want to check that one out, too. Yeah, I know that
1: Tori and my girlfriend and my mom are mm-hmm. all really enjoying season two, so like, I don't think I could give better remarks, having not seen it, than to yeah. say that uh, those three love it.
0: That's true. That's true. Shout out to your mom. What are you playing? So this past week or two, a big thing on my radar has been demos. Part of that was because a Steam Next Fest just happened a couple of weeks ago. So that was when like a lot of game devs were putting out demos for games that they had released. Um, Steam Next Fest is like really cool. Like I really, I this is like the first time I've interacted with Steam Next Fest in years, but basically what they do is they like make a separate page on the Steam store and it's like, here is all the games with demos and you can like sort through the demos based on genre and it gets all the way down to like sub sub genre so you're searching for like really really granular genre types that only have like one or two entries in there and then they will also put like games that are being the demos that are being streamed right now or top downloads this week top downloads this week that aren't AAA games and that kind of thing so that was really neat so um two from that that really stick out to me are one i played of uh, the demo for venba this is one that we've talked a little bit about on the show in the past it's a cooking game from the perspective of a an immigrant an indian immigrant couple in the i believe it takes place in like the 80s or 90s ish based on the demo and the the shtick of it is that it's like cooking mini games and the character you're playing as is trying to cook recipes from a parent's cookbook, but parts of the parents' cookbook have kind of like smudged or worn over time. So it's a lot of like it's almost like logic puzzles, but when it comes to food. And like it was really cute. The the demo was pretty short. You only got to make one recipe, but it was really cute the way it kind of like made you use logic and especially since like i'm like sort of familiar with some indian food but like by and large it's something that i don't have a lot of like exposure to so a lot of it is like it's like uh you know when there are games that have real things in them and then they use it as an opportunity to like teach you about the real thing in it it's like Mm -hmm. not only is the cookbook like here is like the gamified version of how to make this but it's also like here's an explanation of what this is how you eat it what tools you need to cook with it, and like even the gamified recipe actually gives you like kind of an idea of how you would cook it IRL. So like I thought that was really cute. I that game's gonna come out on Switch. It's gonna come out on PC. I think that's later this month actually. Like I'm very stoked for that. Um the other one I played a bit of was the demo for Salty Chronicle. This is one from the developer they're called degout fabrique um the main person behind the team working on it her name is hannah nicklin she's a game dev dev and she is an author who wrote a book on game dev and i this one mainly popped up on my radar because she did an interview with the podcast origin story which i really like They had a really great interview where like it was funny because you could tell they went into the episode mostly planning to talk about like her journey to game dev and how she got there and that kind of thing. And a lot of it ended up being like how to create equitable workspaces and like how to ensure that like your pay structure is creating an environment where people want to get people go into management because they want to, not because it's incentivized by pay and this kind of stuff. So like Mm -hmm. I was I was really impressed looking listening to her like. Um, I've followed her on Twitter for a while and I know she like has those kinds of politics, but it was very cool to hear somebody that like actually kind of walks that walk in a space that is so notorious for having those kinds of labor problems. Salty Chronicle is very interesting and very strange. She described it in the podcast I was listening to as kind of like, uh, you know, like, uh, you ever watch Star Trek? Are you a Star Trek guy? Are you at least least Mm -hmm. vaguely familiar with like how Star Trek works? I am vaguely familiar. I think I've seen two of, like, the new movies. Okay, I am also only really vaguely familiar. I was never, like, big into Star Trek when I was younger. But, like, the average Star Trek episode has them, like, going to a planet, and then they have to, like, pick the people on the landing team, and then, like, beam down and go see what's going on on the planet. So her whole thing was that, like, it's these scenarios where the people who are on, like, this sort of kind of pirate ship, but you're, like, not pirates go from place to place and you like select the characters that you want to go on the island and do stuff and based on who you pick you might have like different interactions with people and uh, different story events might play out and that kind of thing it had a built in card game that was pretty fun too so it's interesting It's, um, it's one of those games that you can definitely tell was made by a team that is like very inspired by like I don't know I got like One Piece vibes from it where it's like group of goofy characters go to like a place and the island they go to has like a shtick so like the island Mm -hmm. that you went to in the demo is like cats and so it's like their culture part of the like economy of this island is built around making kind of crappy like fiber and um like uh textiles out of cat fur that is, like, really itchy and kind of crappy, but it's what they have access to because there are so many cats on the island, like, that kind of thing. It was a little strange, totally, and I think part of that comes from the fact that, like, this was not the beginning of this game. This is, like, kind of a middle slice of the game, but it definitely has me interested to see where it's, like, going, and it's also one of those games, too, that, like, and I mean this, like, 100% in a good way, but, like, you can totally tell that there were, like, queer people on the team who made it because, like, when you Mm -hmm. have your screen of all the characters, it, like has their pronouns on it which is like kind of cool like it's it's kind of neat when i see stuff like that it's like you can always tell that like there that was a deliberate move by people in the background so those are two demos that i definitely think were really neat the the other slightly larger demo that i played this past weekend was the demo for pikmin 4 on the switch holy shit pikmin 4 is fucking awesome i cannot wait for this game to come out later this month um Nintendo did it again, baby. Right off the heels of Zelda. Pikmin 4 is so cool. Um, have you played any of the Pikmin games? I have not. So they tend to get oversimplified as, like, uh, described as, like, RTSs, so, like, a real-time strategy game, where it's mostly about, like, and I think that's a good explainer for people who are familiar with real-time strategy games, because, like, the, the early stages of a Pikmin game are a lot about, like, growing your group of Pikmin and then trying not to get them killed. And the original Pikmin, Pikmin 1, which I've played, like, within the last couple of years, is um, is very much about time management. Like, you are on a very strict schedule in that game. You have 30 days, and the days move by at a pretty brisk pace to get back 30 pieces of your spaceship. And if you fail, like, the game puts you back to an old save. Like, it is a—it's a pretty unforgiving game. The later games in the series are a little more forgiving time-wise, but they do still really reward, like, good time management. And um, there's, like, some streamlining of the controls that Pikmin 4 has done that are, like, really apparent through the demo, as well as, like, streamlining of the movement in a way that, like, I think is going to make it really accessible to new players. And also, like, as somebody who has played the older games, has me, like... Oh my god. I just I just want to keep playing it. Like I hit the end of the demo and I actually had the thought I was like if there weren't so many story cutscene things at the beginning, I would start this demo over again so I could like try mm. to see the stuff I didn't see in it. It's also got these like mini games built into it that are that are all about time management and like you have 5 minutes score as many points as possible by doing stuff and oh my god it's just it's beautiful too like the lighting effects in the game just make everything look so so cool so pikmin 4 looks awesome if you if you're like a pikmin fan and haven't played this demo yet i highly highly recommend messing with it
1: for someone like me who's never played a pikmin game before Mm -hmm. where would you recommend as like the jump off point for the
0: series I would definitely recommend messing with the demo for 4 because it has a lot of like beginner-friendly stuff. Um, I, I mentioned that in the uh, the little interlude that I recorded for the Nintendo Direct episode that you and Tori did. Like One thing about Pikmin that cracks me up is that since there have only been four console games, I'm not counting the 3DS one that was a platformer, since there's only been four console games now, they like feel the need to still over explain all the mechanics and that makes sense because it's not as simple as like a mario but it kind of cracks me up because it's like there can't just be like it's a new pikmin it has to be like pikmin are creatures that you can pick from the ground and you can have them do your bidding press a to pick the pikmin press a again (laughs) to throw the Pikmin. like they have to explain it um i would definitely recommend starting with the demo for four And then 1 and 2 also just recently got re-released on Switch. And my understanding is, like, the ports are pretty good. If you like the idea of, like, a really tight, time-sensitive version of that demo, Pikmin 1 is the way to go. If you're more interested in something that is just going to let you, like, run around and, like, follow a story and, like, really lean into, like, uh, exploration and stuff, Pikmin 3 would be good. I didn't play a whole lot of Pikmin 3, but, like, that's the consensus I generally heard from people. Pikmin 2, I think, is, like, somewhere in between the two of those. I played a lot of that when I was a kid, but I have not really revisited it since. But it's just such a special little series. I don't know. It's one of those ones that's, like, they iterate on it from game to game, but they don't iterate that much. And also, the games tend to be so spaced out that it's, like... Anything they do is, like, just kind of a new and exciting thing. So, yeah, I, I really mm-hmm. recommend messing with the demo and seeing how you feel about it. I got a few uh, non-game things I want to shout out, to. The first one is a podcast I started listening to. This came as a recommendation from Tori. It's called Holy Week. Have you heard of this one? I have not. It came out earlier this year from The Atlantic. All the episodes are out now. It's, like, an eight-episode short-run podcast. I'm, like, five episodes in now. And the the thesis of it is basically, like, very, very closely examining the the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., but not just, like, the assassination itself, like, the events that immediately led up to it and the events that, like, immediately happened after it. And i I'm really enjoying it one because the the people that the host has had on to talk about this kind of stuff the the host name is van newkirk he's got like a really great radio presence it's really well produced and he's he's gotten so many interesting people who were around at the time, whether they were just like regular old people who were participating in like the the movement at the time or like actual figures of the civil rights movement who are still alive today it's like really good and i'm really enjoying Mm. it so far um especially since like it's such an interesting time because like and this is part of the topic of the episode that i'm like most of the way through now it like this pivot point like martin luther king jr was at a pivot point in his rhetoric and his political stance on a lot of things very shortly before he was assassinated and so i think it's like it's very common parlance to say, like, oh, they killed, like, the most beloved, uh civil rights icon when it's, like, MLK had taken, like, a very stark downturn in his public image, especially among white people, considering he had really started to voice opposition to the Vietnam War, to the U.S. government, to, like, the forces of capitalism. Like, he had really started to be outspoken about, like... Far more traditionally left leaning politics, and so, mm-hmm. and plus like this is, this was not the end of the civil rights movement. There is there is still a lot of civil rights movement that happened after his death. So it's it's a really fascinating podcast. I'm really enjoying it.
1: I've been going through the Atlantic page as you've been talking. Oh yeah, it looks crazy interesting. Like I want to dig into this tonight.
0: Yeah, it's it's really good. So and the the production quality is like absolute top notch. Like I yeah. am really and like um the. The host is doing a really good job kind of like geographically centering them like talking about he'll be talking about a location where something happened and then he'll say like i went there and it looks like this today and then there will be like contemporaneous audio of him there interviewing one of the people like it's kind of it's like a super super well-produced podcast and also just like massively interesting subject matter so if that's Mm. like at all something that interests you like i really can't recommend this enough i think it's great it all interests me it all interests you, yeah. Um, last shout-out I have is the Glastonbury Music Festival just happened last month, and I saw a TikTok earlier this week of Rick Astley of Never Gonna Give You Up fame up on stage performing There Is a Light That Never Goes Out by the Smiths, and I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Rick Astley must have like randomly thrown a cover track into his set And then I got another TikTok a little while later that was like a different track from the Smiths from the same concert. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? So I Googled it and Rick Astley had a whole set at Glastonbury that he did like multiple days in a row where he played with a band called Blossoms and played an hour-long greatest hit set of like his favorite tracks from the Smiths. And it's fucking incredible. Like, I think we've all thought of rick astley as such a meme for so long and like i have too and especially like never gonna give you up is like an okay song but i can't say i've ever really listened to any of the rest of his music but he does an incredible job of like performing as a less racist morrissey like it's truly truly incredible i i posted something about it on my social media and somebody was responding to it and made a comment was like Oh my god, I hope he starts performing more Smith songs so that it's no longer problematic for me to love the Smith songs. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fucking awesome concert though. I really... It's on YouTube. The whole thing's on YouTube. Like, you, you absolutely must look it up if this at all sounds interesting to you. It's like, he, uh... He's, like, having so much fun doing it. The backing band is incredible. Like, he's, like, drunk through part of the set. At one point, he's like, hold on, I got to drink more. I can't perform these songs unless I'm drunk. Like, in the middle of one song, he stops and he's like, I love the lyrics of this song. Like, it's just, like, so much fun. The audience is, like, fucking losing it. Like, I I would have killed if I'd been in that crowd. It looks like it was so much fun.
1: Yeah, I saw. I think maybe one TikTok or one article on Twitter about this, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't. It's like not really <laughs> up my alley. I'm not a Smiths person. Yeah, um, like or a Rick Astley person. Um, but I think the idea of it is cool. Yeah, and like maybe it's something I would check out. But I don't know any Smith songs. Um, like if a Smith song started playing, I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't know if there's like one Smith song that I would hear and be like, oh, th- yeah, this is the Smiths
0: yeah i i don't know i don't know what the most recognizable one for you possibly could even be but i like i'm not a rick astley person but i am definitely regrettably a smith's person (laughs) like yes you are i am i had that i had that moment when i was in high school i i was a depressed teenager and i was listening to the smiths like on repeat and i've got several of their records on vinyl and several of them on cd and shit like yeah i'm i'm in it but um but the lead singer fucking sucks. Like, he fucking sucks so much. He's such a racist creep. He screwed so many of the band members out of money. Like, he sucks so much. So it's nice to see somebody uh, singing those songs who's not, like, a total shithead.
1: Just wait until Rick Astley gets canceled.
0: <laughs> he's going to get milkshake-ducked. We, we regret <laughs> to inform you that Rick Astley actually, uh, and it's going to cut to, like, something incredibly racist, he said. Yeah. If he got canceled, do you think that, like, the Rickroll meme would stop being around?
1: No, it would blow up. Yeah, okay, that's
0: true. You're probably right. Yeah, because canceling is, like, it's fake. It's, like, a fake and bullshit, but mm-hmm. damn. I wish cancel culture was real, honestly.
1: <laughs> Trump would start using Never Gonna Give... No, DeSantis would use Never Gonna Give You Up in the next uh, anti-trans trump is gay video yeah on his twitter
0: yeah the next it, even more homophobic than you thought was possible uh internet nazi video that he's gonna put on his social media yeah man man fuck that guy anything else we got here or should we uh should we wind things down
1: i got nothing more
0: nathaniel where can people find you on the internet
1: people can find me on twitter.com at Nathan based Mm -hmm. Um, what's your at on threads I'm not on threads Damn, me either we all get press start on threads
0: <laughs> i tweeted from the press start twitter account yesterday and i was like i could tell you guys one thing we're not making a threads account um,
1: oh damn
0: i really don't want to have to eat my words if this shit blows up but i'm just so fucking tired of like a new twitter alternative every week that like all the former people with blue checks are screenshotting and like come find me on this place now and it's i'm so fucking exhausted with that <laughs>
1: I don't, like, hate the idea of a Twitter clone if stuff really goes down, even mm-hmm. though, like, I, I love Twitter and I, I'll stay there. Yeah. Um, but the idea of, like, Meta's Twitter clone, I will never use that.
0: Right, exactly. I,
1: and I also hope that I never have to eat my words and make a Threads account. But, like, fuck Meta, fuck Facebook, fuck Instagram. Um, it's just, like, I don't know. Why would I want to use Facebook's Twitter? That, exactly. That sounds terrible. Exactly. That sounds actually horrible.
0: Yeah, I fucking hate that so much. Like, I, I don't know. I, I've seen some stuff from people who were like, oh, it's doing some interesting things with, like, how it's going to feed information to people and how it's going to work and this kind of thing. But it's like, a lot of that is also because there's, like, nobody on it, you know? It's, like, the, mm-hmm. the DNA mix of these websites change so much when more people get on them. And, like, I was talking to somebody yeah. else about this a few days ago, and I was saying, like, I, I'm not even sure I want a Twitter clone, honestly. Like, I'm just so disillusioned with, like, the idea of a Twitter-style thing anymore that like i'm gonna ride twitter until that ship sinks don't get me wrong like it's Thanks. the worst website but like in the funniest ways imaginable and also like the worst ways it's so, like i'm there I'm, I'm 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 gonna be the last one on the life lifeboats like i'm hanging on but um i don't really know if i want to go to like it's twitter again except like I don't know. We're gonna have to relitigate the same stuff about like when posts get banned and when this happens and when this happens. You know, so I don't know. I think I I think I'm just gonna move to more centralized things.
1: (laughs) And like people are worried about free speech on Twitter, which everyone should be worried about free speech on Twitter for sure. But with the 2024 election being on the rise, Mm -hmm. um, what makes you think that like a Facebook company is gonna handle an election better? Because exactly uh, we. We've literally uh seen we've seen that story before. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how many episodes of Press Start does one have to co-host to get the password to the Press Start Twitter?
0: Um, I'm wondering why I didn't already send you the password to the Press Start Twitter, honestly. I feel like you do That's I feel crazy. like you do a number on that, honestly.
1: <laughs> uh sometimes I'll see <laughs> stuff like there have been a few times where I've almost just DM'd you stuff and been like tweet this out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if you want in on that. Tweet email us or tweet at us too. As Twitter goes down, maybe we'll just start giving more people the username and password. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Where can people find you online?
0: (laughs) I am twitter.com baby, Noah underscore Hertz, H-U-R-T-S. Shout out to twitter.com. I fucking hate it, and it definitely makes my life worse, but every now and then, something so funny happens on it that it makes it all worth it. Um, I
1: don't even know what you mean, like, every now and then. It's like multiple times a day (laughs) i feel like twitter is made worth it to me by the stuff that's going on on there like i don't know i don't even think twitter is the worst because i still have my my community on there of Mm -hmm. like all the people i have parasocial relationships with Yeah, same. and so it's like twitter's twitter can still be awesome just uh block elon yeah and then block one thing you put me onto in undergrad was blocking every company that runs an ad on your twitter feed yeah because then you get some really crazy ads
0: yeah and just block every blue check you see just any blue check block them block them Block them.
1: one of my coworkers was telling me that they block every blue check they see and i'm like that's too much work yeah even though like to me the worst thing that elon did to twitter was um make all the blue checks rise to the top of their replies oh my god like literally i never looked through the replies of tweets anymore it killed it
0: because it's just like the dumbest motherfuckers on the planet up there yeah. just saying the worst shit imaginable i saw yeah. my, my latest uh twitter is a good website actually was i saw a meme earlier this was a screenshot of a interaction i did not see the original interaction but somebody tweeted a picture that was like women who uh are okay giving but are not as interested in receiving and it was like this like model picturesque like skinny blonde white woman and then it was like women who insist on uh climaxing every time they have sex and it was like fiona from shrek and then someone <laughs> replied in the comments and they were like children who were conceived when the women don't orgasm do not have souls and then they like continued they continued it was insane it it was yeah. truly just like <laughs> It was so fucking good. I was reading it, and I was like, there's no other website where you can get this. Like, No one's talking Facts. like this on any other website.
1: And if they are on Reddit, I
0: don't want to see it. I don't want to see it either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the podcast is on Twitter at press underscore start pod, and you can also email us at heypressstart at gmail.com. You can also find Tori online uh, at Tori underscore as underscore always. Look, if you've made it this deep into the show, send her some love on Twitter DMs or, like, email us or whatever. Like, she's going through some stuff right now. Send her some love. Thank you very much to the special musical guest in the middle of the show. That was the band Honey Thunder. You can find all of their stuff online at honeythunder.rocks, and you can find them on Twitter at honeythunderphl. Our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics, and our music and sound effects except the sound effects that like, I find files online from video game sound effects are from the artist Geist, and you can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. And I think that's about everything. Hey, I have one closing thought. Um, the last episode that you recorded with Tori, the two of you guys were talking about how you had never heard of uh, Wario World on the GameCube, and when I was editing it, I felt like Matthew McConaughey in that scene in Interstellar Where like he's in space in the bookshelf and he's like watching the shit happen back in time and he's like pounding at it and he's like, No, no, like that's how I felt. I was like, God, I wish I I wish I could tell them. I wish I could tell them about how silly of a game Wario World is. Like I was losing it. (laughs) If only (laughs) only. That was
1: honestly like the the first podcast I've recorded without you where I'm like, Wow, he really needs to be here for this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Yeah. We gotta get uh the three of us on one in the next uh coming whatever we absolutely do month two, this summer
0: all right nathaniel thank you very much everybody yes. listening thank you for listening and rate and review us on whatever app you're listening to us on and goodbye